starting at verse 1, it says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. If we jump to verse 9, it says, Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, who is renewed in knowledge, according to the image of him who created him. I'd like to preach this morning from a title that I call Salvation or Resolution. Pray with me. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for the year that we have gone through. We thank you for our life. We thank you for all the blessings that you give to us, Lord. And the season, Lord, that we are in right now, um, the gift that you have given us, um, the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, Lord. Um, Unfailing love, love that we can't imagine that you pour down on us. And we just thank you for all of this. Lord, we just ask that our ears and our hearts are open and that we might hear the words spoken through me, but are your words in Jesus' name. Amen. So, it's New Year's, right? In two days, New Year's. Um, has anybody figured out what resolutions you're going to have? Anybody got some New Year's resolutions going on? Hmm? Well, you're one of that group. You're one of that group, and that's not a bad group to be in. So I used to, used to, um, my New Year's resolution almost every year from about mid-20s to about mid-30s was everything. I mean, that was my resolution. Everything. Everything is going to be exactly right. Everything is going to be perfect. Um, If you were in my household, I would go through my filing cabinet. And I don't even know if you guys have filing cabinets. You probably just have stuff up in the cloud these days. But I, I had and still have a filing cabinet. I can take my filing cabinet and I can pull out the warranty for the toaster that was bought 12 years ago. I have a, if, if I still own it, I still have the warranty. I have my tax records for 10 years, even though they say you can throw them away after seven. I have my bank books for the last 10 years. I can tell you where every dime I spent out of every checkbook for, that I've, uh, my bank account for the last 10 years, you, if you just ask me, you just, if you're at my house and say, hey dude, what did you spend on May 12th in 2007? Within about five minutes, I can tell you exactly what I bought on May 5th, 2007, or May 12th, 2007. So, Man, everything, I mean everything. Pictures came down off the walls and got dusted. The glasses got clean. They got put back up. Dishes got clean. Baseboards, crown molding. I mean, my idea, if, if, you know, I'd make sure my gun got registered if I'd moved to a different state. Just every single thing I tried to make perfect. How many knows that you can't be perfect, right? I mean, that just doesn't happen. So here is my problem is in my resolve to make everything perfect, I usually increased the anger that I had because I was trying to do something that I couldn't do. Now, that was just me. I was just like 
everything. I'm extreme. I went swimming Christmas morning at 50 degrees, and to answer Jeff the other day in public, no, I do not have a heated swimming pool. Um, the water was just like ice, but I do things to extreme, and so I, was, I tried to do everything all the time. But here are the five biggest, I just did a little research, um, the five biggest resolutions for the new year. Um, one of them is the, the first one, actually the first three, and this is so funny, the percents added up like 168%. I'm like, I, you know, it was um, eat healthier is, is number one, get more exercise, save more money, I don't plan on having or I don't do a New Year's resolution, and get more sleep. So eating healthier, just to eat healthy. Have you guys, like, has anyone really tried to eat healthy that if you didn't eat healthy and then you try to eat? I mean, if you eat healthy, that's good, and I'm happy for you. I'm, I'm, that's, you know, good for you. But it's got to be something that you do day in and day out. You can't just, like, flip the switch and eat healthy. Because most of us, when we try to eat healthy, um, it, it takes more time. Because you've got to prepare things. Because you, you have to prepare healthy things. You just can't take a Hot Pocket out and slap it into the... And even your spinach Hot Pockets, those aren't healthy, right? So we're talking about eating healthy um, is one of the resolutions. It takes time. It takes money. And to be honest with you, it just don't taste good. Um, did any of you guys get the... when Two weeks ago when we had the leftover food and, you know, and we got some greens in there. Did any of you guys grab that, which I thought was bags of salad? I just thought it had more cabbage in it than what it did. I, you know, the red cabbage, I just thought it was a little heavy on the red cabbage. But when I got home, it was cabbage, Brussels sprouts, kale. I'm like, what? Nancy stir-fried it up, and I'm like, I ate it. Next day, I'm like, mm, should keep that away from me. That's nasty. Eating healthy does not taste good. It just doesn't. So when you make a New Year's resolution to eat healthy, that generally fades away. Generally fades away. Getting more exercise. Dude, the gym. I know, right? If you, if you could own a gym for one month or six weeks out of the year, you would be rich, and then you could just kind of coast because that's what most gyms do. I mean, that, that's the standard thing. I worked in a, in a health club, and we had 2,000 members in our gym. And Monday nights, that was always the heaviest night anyway throughout the year because Monday night is the, the you know, after work, it's the Monday, Wednesday, Friday routine that people generally get in. They go through their little, you know, every other day workout. So Monday nights were generally heavy. And then the rest of the week, the gym was just kind of, you know, yeah, people were in, people were out. You could come in, you could do your own thing, you could do some free weights, get in on the machines, whatever. But January 2nd, you couldn't move in there. And members, long-lasting members, would just laugh at it and, and be aggravated all at the same time because you just couldn't move. I mean, there were lines to wait on the machines. If you did free weights and tried to do sets, when you... It, when you lift weights and you do a, a, a set, you step back and you rest for like a minute and a half, two minutes, whatever, and do get back on. No, the, you get off, someone else was getting on. People hated it during the first two months of the year. And then the exercising would kind of slack off. Or maybe you're someone like me that like, Psh, I know that, so I'm not going to give the gym my money. 
but I have a swimming pool. And I've got a couple sticks. I just, I don't even know. Um, came out of the closet that you hang your clothes on. Wooden ones, though. And I just put them around my neck, and I do, you know, twist. And I'm like, if all I do, and I told Cedric, because um, he's like, yeah, he ain't going to do it. I'm like, yeah, if I get up, if I just swim, like, 10, 15, 20 laps in the morning, and then I do some, we got a mat outside, I do some sit-ups, I do some push-ups, do this bar, I do this every day, man, I'm going to get in shape. He's like, two weeks max. And I'm like, no way. <laughs> Week and a half later, I'm like, yeah, some sticks are standing up in my corner. It just, it was a resolution, and resolutions have a tendency to fail. Um, saving money. Saving money is a, is a New Year's resolution. Um, let me ask you, how many people, through the art of saving, not because you just got a new job or um, you got a bonus or something, or you got an inheritance, but same position you were last year, just worked your way through the year, and you were able to save money? How many people have more money in their bank account this year? And you don't have to raise your hands, um, but I can tell you, I, I, mine's about the same, all right? Everybody has the idea of saving money. Um, it's a resolution, but then life gets in the way, right? Everybody's got a car. You've got to have new tires, um, maintenance, or you buy a new car. You're going to have um, repairs. If you, if you own a house, you're going to have repairs on your home. Uh, my son had to get a new uh, water system and air conditioning last year. And that's like five, $6,000, and he got them on the cheap end. Right, so things get in the way. Um, you got new babies coming. You got new friends. You just have things that come up with life that get in the way of your resolution, and they have a tendency to fall off. Um, another resolution for this year is they just don't have a resolution, and that's actually not a bad place to be, depending on how you're living your life. Right? If you got your life in order, you don't really need a resolution. But if you're all jacked up, you might want to try one of these things so that you can turn your life around a little bit. Um, and then the last one was going to sleep more. Um, I've shared this testimony that I only need about six or seven hours of sleep. Now, it used to be four hours when I was younger, and I'm old now. Exactly. So now I need, now I need six or seven hours of sleep. Um, but I also find that my best time of prayer is early in the morning. Four or five o'clock in the morning. Well, if you do the math and you want to wake up at four, then that means you need to go to bed to get seven hours. That means you need to go to bed at nine o'clock. And I'm like, sweet, I'll just go to bed at nine o'clock. That was my resolution, was to go to bed at nine o'clock. And then a new season of The Voice happened. And that's Nancy's favorite show. Um, you know, TV steps in. Um, you get a new book. That's more my wife than me. Um, you get into a new book and you just get reading. Um, you get a new hobby. Um, I play softball. Softball games are out there till 10, 11 o'clock at night sometimes. You don't get home till midnight. And there goes your 9 o'clock. Um, I'm going to get more sleep so that I can pray more, so that I can feel better. Um, life gets in the way. Um, all of these things are resolutions. And resolutions most of the time don't work. It's something that we want our life to do better, that we want to do better in our life and we have a need for it and we can recognize that need for it and so we make a resolve that I'm going to do this and this is just the time of year when that happens because it's a 
new year. And it's the time that people move forward with these resolutions. However, when you get into this resolution, just it's habitual, it's hard to maintain, hard to get into that habit. So out of New Year's resolutions, every once in a while, you'll find one that sticks or you'll find one that works, but not most. And this is where I come to salvation or resolution. How does your salvation compare to, with us being in the new year, how does your salvation compare to a resolution? If you call yourself saved, just think back. Think back that moment in time when you said, this is it, I'm saved. I, I, you know, you, you, you ask God and, um, to save you and repent of your sins and you ask for your salvation. Because here's the thing, when you get saved, it's important that you do it with your whole heart. It's so important that that's the only way that asking, because it, the Bible says that all you have to do is ask and you'll, that you can get salvation. But here's the thing, if you ask and you're not doing it with your whole heart, then it's not something that takes. So here's what you want to look at is thinking back on your salvation, was there a life change and did it stick? Did you just resolve? Did you see a need? Did you see something in your life that needed to be changed and... You've got a friend that's a Christian, you've got a mother, a father, you've been brought up in it, and you said, I need to get saved. So, you know, God, I want to do better, forgive me of my sins, um, and I want to be saved. Because, and, and are you doing that as a resolve? Do, are, you, are you doing that as a resolution? That you just see something that you need to change in your life, but it's not right here. It's just right here. The difference between your head and your heart. If your head is sitting there saying, well, I probably should do better. I, probably, I, I know about Jesus. I should probably do better. But um, So I'm going to resolve to try to be a Christian. And did it stick? Or were you saved for real? Paul says in our opening scripture that you died and are hidden in Christ. It says the old man is going to be put away, and the new man is going to be put on. So the difference between this resolution is you might be coming to church on Sundays. You might even make it to a Wednesday night or a Sunday night every once in a while. Or if we've got a Christmas caroling going on on a Sunday, you know, Sunday morning, you're thinking, well, that sounds like fun, so I might come to Wednesday, but that's the only Wednesday nights that you come. I mean, sitting in this room, the Bible tells you, the Bible tells you that three out, of all, three out of four people that call themselves Christians are not truly saved. So are you in this resolution pattern or do you have true salvation? Have you set aside the old man and do you have new man? Are there things in your life that can prove? Are there things in your life that you do different now than what you did before? Um, not to throw everything that I did in the past out there. But in my life, um, when I got saved, and I've mentioned this before, when I was saved, I was saved in a mega church, and I was one of about 45 people that were down along the front, 
And they went by and they were just handing a Bible and saying, oh, thank you for getting saved, thank you for getting saved, here you go. Fill out the last page on the back and, you know, we'll see you next Sunday. And they went down the row and I'm like, you know, well, this is cool. And I, I did. There was a time in my life and I needed, and I'd grown up in the church. I had grown up in the church. I grew up in the Episcopal church. I was confirmed and I guess that that's what the Episcopal church feels that um, that, that, that that's when you're brought to Christ. I don't know because here's the real reality is in 40 years of being an Episcopalian, not one single person, pastor, clergy, friend, um, elder, um, older person in the church, not one person ever asked me, are you saved? You know, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? So I had grown up in the church and in 1998, after I was, however old that was, 38, 39, um, I had this, I mean, I was in my room. I was like crying and I had this desire to go to church and to hear the word. And so, I, and I'm listening to this preacher and the dude was good. He was good. It was just this mega church though and you just kind of felt lost in it. Um, that's a whole different sermon for a different time, but sometimes I think people want to go to those churches just to get lost so they can say, check off, I went to church, and then that's all you have to do. Um, but the problem was is I had no spiritual father. I had no guidance. I didn't have someone that told me, hey, you've got to read your Bible every day. I didn't have anyone that told me, hey, you've got to pray every day because everyone here knows, and it's spoken in this church a lot, that when you have a relationship with the Father, you have to have a relationship. Like there's, there's nothing that's going on if you don't have a relationship. The only way to have a relationship is to communicate back and forth with that person, speak with that person. Deaf people sign back and forth, but they still communicate. I mean, we have a communication back and forth if we have a relationship. And so the real relationship with us is if you're reading your Bible, you're hearing God's word. That's him talking to you. And when you pray, that's you talking to him. It's very simple. I didn't have that. I had no one tell me that being saved, including the Episcopal Church, nobody told me that being saved that I had to have this relationship. No one told me that I had to have these things um, that, were going, that, that were moving forward and going on. So my life growing up, Man, through college, I was in a fraternity. I used to get drunk all the time. I used to just, I mean, I had a terrible temper. I had all kinds of things in my life that were going on. Um, I believe that there's only one person in this room that was here when we were over on um, College Drive. When I came in one night, after being in this church and after getting a spiritual father and having someone give me guidance and direction, because I floundered for some years, I had some changes but I didn't know exactly the way to go. I had no one teach me. Um, I would get conviction. Yeah, I probably shouldn't do that. But I wasn't reading my word. I wasn't reading um, what God was telling me to do. And I wasn't having people tell me. I, I would go to church and I would listen to the sermon. And I'd hear for, you know, most sermons are, you know, it, it, even in your um, Calvary and your mega churches, are, you know, the sermons are like 30 minutes. And so I was getting like 30 minutes a week of God. And that's all I was getting. And I was still, I would cut back on some things and not on others. But until I actually had someone and a spiritual father that showed me the way and taught me the way, and when I started doing the things that I should do to become righteous, there became a dramatic change in my life. 
And there was um, James, I think, sitting right behind the door there um, in security. He's the only one that I can remember that was at the College Boulevard. But I came in, and I had gotten rid of my collection of, get this, albums. Right? I got rid of, I mean, I had a big old box of albums. I had CDs. Um, my kids, they're like, Dad, that is classic rock. I'm like, I, I just don't listen to it. I mean, Meatloaf, you know, um, ACDC, um, you know, Van Halen. Um, that, that, they just don't go on the ride to church on the radio to get you in the spirit to come in and sit and receive the word of God, right? So I went through, and it was really cool. I wish I still had that list because... Not only did I listen to classic rock, but I listened to everything. I, was, I told you guys earlier, I'm extreme. And so there was, in my collections, I mean, I had Michael Jackson, I had Tina Turner, and I had Taste of Honey, and I had um, Shaka Khan, and I had, I mean, it was just ridiculous. I had some Beatles, I had Johnny Cash, I had the whole slew of country people that, you know, you guys never heard of. I mean, I just, I went through the list and read these things. And then um, our youth pastor at the time came up with me um, afterwards, and he said, hey, based on what you told me, us, he goes, here's a, a, a list of groups that I think would be beneficial to you that you might get into. Um, Third Day was one of them. They're still one of my favorites today because that was kind of the music that I was geared more towards. Um, but rac records I got rid of. Um, alcohol. Um, you know, I drank heavy when I was young. I got saved. I know that's not right. But then I'm like, you know, well, even the doctor said that one glass of wine a night, that's good for you, you know, whatever. And the Bible doesn't say to don't drink, but it says don't let it affect you, which if you ask my wife now, I'm like, baby, I only had that one, one beer. She'll tell you it, it affects even just a little bit. So you can, you can judge on that. But here's the thing is we used to talk to pastor, Nancy and I did, about um, when I first became a deacon. And he's like, look, it's not supposed to, um, you know, take over your thoughts, take over your controls, take over your emotions. And he's like, I know that you guys have a glass of wine at dinner. He's like, that's okay. I just ask one thing, don't do it in public because people, if they see you, if you want to have a glass of wine at your house, that's okay too. And then it wasn't but about six months later and we're like, why are we even doing this? Like, this there's just, there's no reason. And so, you know, through the learning there became a change, and God changed me, and that's a permanent change. I don't drink at all anymore. Um, cursing. Go ahead, Jennifer, smile. Um, we had, I just called her out. She said it public the other night. Otherwise, I wouldn't have said it. But one of her changes, she hasn't cussed anybody out in three years. Right? I mean, amen. Hallelujah. Now, I can't say the same thing because... Um, I've hit my hand with a hammer before out in the field. Um, I've had a post fall on my toe. Um, and you guys have heard me say before, one of my crew leaders, he's been with me for a long time now, um, when we have new people and I do that, which is not often, it's not. But when I do something like that, the new guys will go, I thought he was a Christian. Right? And then Mike, who is unsaved, turns around and goes, oh, dude, he is because here's the thing. When I cuss, I just cuss and just keep on. When he cusses, he's like really sorry for it. And he'll apologize to us when, when it happens and when he does it. You know, I mean, it's just something that it's one of those sins 
that will trip me up. And if I let it go and I feed the old man more than I feed the new man, if I let the radio station slip over instead of stay on what I should be listening to, and I let, you know, the, the whatever. I don't read books, so I was going to say the books I read, but I don't read books um, that much. Um, I read this book, um, but there's not a whole lot of other books that I read. Um, but if you feed your old man more than you do your new man, then the old man starts coming out. Because it doesn't say that the old man is gone. It says the old man is put away, right? So, but here's the thing. There's change. There's change. I'm not like I used to be. It's permanent change. It's been there for more than just a week or two. It's been there for years. I don't get angry like I used to. 98% of what I used to get angry at, I don't now. That's true, Jason. Even though Jason and I, when we worked together, yelled at each other a little bit. Well, we didn't yell at each other, did we, Jason? No, it was more me yelling at him. Um, but I'm just being honest. I mean, I'm not perfect. I'm just being honest. But here's the thing is I didn't even do near as much as I used to. Um, so it's stuck. The anger being gone has stuck. The alcohol being gone is stuck. These are things that have stuck. I know that I know that I know that I'm saved. I know that I have true salvation. But here's the thing. Um, when you got saved, did you give yourself up to Christ? When you asked for that salvation, was it just a resolution or did you ask for salvation? Because Paul says that if you did, that Christ owns you. Christ bought you. And we don't understand this as a culture today, but if we give ourselves over to Christ, God says that the penalty, the wages for sin is death. And so when Christ went on to Calvary and gave himself on Calvary, he actually paid our price. He stepped in and he paid our price. So Christ has actually bought us, and he owns us. So with this ownership and with your profession at your time of salvation, did you really get salvation? Has it stuck? How's your new man doing? Does your new man look like your old man, or does your new man look like a new man? Right? Paul, in 2 Corinthians... Chapter 13, verse 5 says, examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. So Paul says to examine your life. And he says earlier that the old man is put away and the new man is put on. So when he comes in here and he says to examine yourself, he's like, you're going to know. If you truly look at yourself and you look at your life, you're going to know. You're going to know if you're just sitting out. If you go to church, you're going to know if you're just sitting out in the pew or if you have a different man, if you have a new man versus the way the old man was. And it says you have failed the test of genuine faith because here's the thing. This new man versus old man... A lot of people get confused with works. You have this new man that is doing different things. 
So someone can look at it and say, oh, well, you know, I'm saved because look at all the things that I'm doing. But that's not how you get saved. Being saved is by faith. It's clearly by faith. It's not with any of the works that you do. You cannot work your way into heaven. It's completely impossible to work your way into heaven. You are saved by faith. People, churches that have what's called the faith movement. And they say, well, I have faith. So it doesn't matter what I do because my works don't matter. It's my faith. And if you have that mentality, like, I, well, I mean, you could be, we could be sitting in here on a Sunday, and I know because I did it for 30 years. I sat in on a Sunday and said, well, I know that there's God. I know that there's Jesus. I know that Jesus is the Son, and therefore I'm saved because I have this knowledge and I have this faith. So it's not necessarily the things that I do. I have faith, so I'm saved. However, okay, there's a catch. In James chapter 2, and we talked about this the other night, and I was thinking about this um, on Wednesday night, starting at verse 19, it says, You believe that there is one God, and you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? So here's the thing. When I was sitting for 30 years and I'm going, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I believe. Was I saved? Not if I didn't search for God with my whole heart and have a relationship. I didn't. I'm simply no better than the demons who trembled and said, I know that. They didn't just believe. They knew. They knew that Jesus was the Son of God. They knew it. So just because we know that God is God. And just because we know that He's sovereign, and just because we know that Jesus is His Son, that does not qualify for salvation. It goes on to say, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works and by works... Faith was made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled which says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. So you see then that a man is justified by his works and not by faith only. Likewise was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way. Verse 26 says, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. And so here's that thing. Here's that people that look at that catch 22 maybe is, well, all these works that we're doing. I come up and deliver food on Friday for the food and clothing. Um, I stand up here in pastor's place. Um, none of this... None of this means um, none of this means salvation. I'm not earning by doing any of the things that I do. I'm not earning my salvation. Salvation is given by the love of God Almighty through His grace. It's His saving grace that we have salvation. But 
once you get saved, if you're truly saved, this is where it says the truth will set you free. Because here's the, here's the real reality is if you're saved for real, man's laws don't even need to apply to you because you're going to be doing better than what man has laid out when you are striving to please God. So when people look at you, they aren't, they don't, they, they can't, you, this faith movement, you, you can't just go, well, I got faith, so I'm going to live any way that I want to, and God's going to love me anyway. He does love you anyway. He's already loved you enough that he sent his son to save every human being that has ever lived, ever. He, he, the ones that didn't make it to heaven, he loved them because he already, he paid for them. Christ came down, he paid, he shed his blood. God sent his son down to shed his blood. Every human being in the history of the world, God loved. But he's also a father. And he handed that gift to us through the season that we just went through. Everybody knows that's done any kind of studying that December 25th isn't Jesus' actual birthday. But it's the time that we represent for to recognize the gift that God has given us. And here's the thing. Children, if you got an iPad or whatever, or whatever you asked for underneath the tree, was it yours until you opened it up and accepted it? It was not. Salvation, although is a gift, you don't have until you receive it. And once you receive it, and once you have faith, and you have grace, and you have the Holy Spirit in you, once you receive it, then you're going to have works that are visible to other people. And here's the thing, though. If you hear this and you're like, oh, works to other people, uh, they think I'm saved? They might think you're saved. But if you don't have faith, God knows your heart. Right? You're not going, you may fake 180 people at church, but you're not going to fake the one true living God. He knows your heart. And if you have true salvation and you have God inside of you and the Holy Spirit and you are saved for real, then you're going to have that life changing of the old man being put away, the new man coming out, just like we've got New Year's Eve, except here's the difference. It's not a resolution. If you get saved and saved for real, you will have a life change. One way or another. If you have great need, if you are in the if you're a drug addict with tracks all over your arm, you might have a greater thanks than somebody and you might have a greater visual change than somebody that was a good person and got saved for real, but even the good person is going to have a change in their life and how they treat others and how they treat just everyone, family, brothers, sisters. And when they come to church, they're going to look like everyone else, but God is going to know their heart. And then the difference is the works that you do from true salvation, from the faith, is going to show forward. So here's my thing, and, I'm, and I, I am going to have an early... We're going to get out of here a little early tonight today. Um, I, I didn't want to say it at the beginning because every time pastor says that, that means we locked in until, you know, one o'clock. But 
How is your life since asking for salvation? Okay? Just think about it. Just think back on that day, that night, that morning that you asked for salvation. And how has your life changed? Do you read your Bible daily? Do you pray every day? Do you serve? Do you go out and spread the gospel to people? Do you thank Jesus out loud? Thank you, Jesus, for the things he's done. Do you thank Jesus out loud? Do you praise him? Do you worship him? Do you act, speak, breathe, think, and live for the Lord Jesus Christ and God Almighty? Is that the change in your life? Jeff, is that the change in your life? Because it needs to be. Are you really saved? Are you really saved? And does your life reflect it? Or did you just make a resolution? Did you just have an epiphany one day and say, well, this is my new year. I, I, I have a resolution. I need to try to be a Christian. You, you, you can't try to be a Christian. I mean, the Bible says we have three out of four people sitting in churches that are trying to be Christians. But you know they're living a miserable life. Because if you're trying to be a Christian, that means you're trying to do one thing, yet you got your other foot out in the world, and you're split. I would never want to be in that position. That's got to be the most miserable person in the world. Because if, you call, if you're unsaved, if you're unsaved, you're unsaved. You might as well act unsaved. I mean, that's the only fun you're going to have is right here on earth if you call that fun. Here's the thing, if you get real salvation, you know how much fun it is with real salvation. But if you're not saved and you've got that mind, then the stupid things that we go out and do and the parties that we go to and the drinking and, you know, whatever, whoring around, drugs, whatever it is that you did um, or that unsaved people do, they need to do that because that's all they're going to have. That's all they're going to have. It's got to be the worst feeling in the world to try to be a Christian and to not have it. Because then you're not doing what's the fun things of the world, and yet you're not, you don't have it right there. You don't have the grace. You don't have the faith. You don't have inside of you that is making you desire to do these works that come from faith. You're just doing the works because you have a resolution to try to become a Christian. And that's got to be miserable. That's like coming out and putting up fences for me and not getting paid. I barely do that anyway. Pay them. But, but true salvation. True salvation. Examine yourself. Do what Paul says. Think back on that day, on that morning, on that night that you asked God to save you. And have you become different? Are you a new person? If you're not, Maybe you need to get on your knees again with your whole heart. Search for God with your whole heart. That is the way to salvation, is your whole heart. With your whole heart, you have to cry out to God Almighty. You have to get on your knees or lay on your bed or lay prostrate on the floor. You have to call out with your whole heart to God Almighty. Repent of your sins. Ask for forgiveness. When it's done with your whole heart, God takes and spreads those sins as far as the east is to the west. 
I believe that almost, I, I can't think of anyone that hasn't when they've talked about true salvation that hasn't said, and this is almost a quote verbatim from everybody, it felt like the weight of the world was lifted off of my shoulders. Whole heart, repent of your sins, cast, have God cast them to the side and ask him into your heart. It doesn't have to be, there's no magic prayer and there's no special place. It doesn't have to be here at the church, although it can be. It doesn't have to be at your house or in a car or wherever. I mean, it, it, it doesn't have to be anywhere and it can be anywhere. It can be anywhere. You can, children, you can go home and you can talk with your parents about it and ask them. And you can get down on your knees and you can ask for salvation. Parent, uh, adults, you can talk with your spouses and you can let them know the decision with your whole heart that you've made. You can get down on your knees by yourself and just cry out to God. Just, just cry out. It can be a private moment with God. There's nothing that says it has to be an altar call. There's nothing. Because I've been on several altar calls. I've been to a Baptist church camp and I went up last because I was Episcopal. And I was the only one left sitting in the seats because they all went forward. And I was like third grade. And I, I mean, my life didn't change then. And it wasn't until I searched for him with my whole heart that I found salvation and I started having conviction. But do this for me because this I have found through personal experience. This is an important step. When you call out to God, and you ask for salvation, and you receive true salvation, find you a spiritual father. It doesn't have to be me. It doesn't have to be Pastor Scott. Find a spiritual father that will teach you. Because Paul said when he talked to them in baby terms, because they were babies in Christ, and gave them milk because they were babies in Christ, and you grow and you mature in Christ. There is a growing process to your Christianity to become a mature Christian and so I'm asking that when you find salvation that you find a spiritual father or mother someone that can lead you and tell you what to do and to get you to move forward with this spiritual relationship with God and Jesus make sure make sure on this day before New Year's Eve New Year's Eve coming up with all the resolutions that are coming forward, make sure that we're not just in a resolve state. Please make sure you're not one of the three out of four Christians that call themselves Christians because they made a resolution one time. Please make sure it's not just a resolve. Please cry out to God with your whole heart and make sure that you're truly saved. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just I thank you for everything that you have done for me, for this congregation, for this community. God, you, you poured everything out to us. You gave more than any human being is willing to give. And it was because that you loved us, Lord. And we know, Lord, that you reach out to us. 
that we love you because you first loved us. And you've shown this love, the season that we're going through, representing Christ's birth. You have shown this love to each and every one of us. And Lord, we just ask that we live our lives and that we put on a new man. And it's not just a resolve, but that it's because the love, your love that's grown inside of us, that we move forward and that we have a new man and that our lives are different and that we become salt and light on the earth, Lord, that others can see us and see you through us. And Lord God, we just ask that you move with inside us and move through this church, through this community. We thank you for everything. We thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.